Friends, we, we are in our week three of our workplace series, and it's been such an enriching process to delve into some of these topics around our identity and our, and our, and our relationships and how we manage that and, and, and boundaries within our, within our workplaces as well as how we then balance our work and our, and, and our family lives, etc., with just some of the uh, focus that we'll be having today. But of, of particular enrichment has been being able to receive from people who are in the trenches um, and who are speaking uh, from their personal experiences, and, and today is going to be no different. And I want to introduce uh, this a special lady who's going to uh, be giving us uh, the message this afternoon, Ntsiki Ndumela. Uh, le- let me, let me uh, just read a little bit of, of her bio for you, uh, just to give you perspective. So, having worked in various interest, industries in and beyond South Africa, Ntsiki's current client profile includes various companies in the financial sector. Prior to working independently, she spent more than 20 years in organizations working in multidisciplinary teams, which involved the designing of business solutions and assisting organizations and individuals to facilitate and implement large business transformation projects. This experience has enabled her to do something she is passionate about, which is coaching and assisting teams to unleash their full potential, which is her current focus. Ziggy is a registered clinical psychologist who obtained her qualifications at the University of Cape Town. She's a certified coach, facilitator, and has completed her immunity to change facilitation training from Mind at Work in Boston. She's also registered with the Health Professions Council of South Africa and is a registered member of the Equine Assisted Growth and Learning Association, which I think means she works with horses. <laughs> awesome. Mantegi, please come on up and let's, uh, let's give her a proper 12 a welcome as we get ready to receive from her. That's it. I've, I've just come back from my a short holiday, so somehow my, um, my campus is still in, in the Underberg. Um, I think I'm too loud, or is that how it's supposed to be? No, I, I've got a natural a loud voice, so it's quite um, interesting to, to hear myself. Um, so before we start, you know, I, I just want to say that um, when you hear your bio, you think like they're talking about someone else. It's like, ooh, you know, um, and it makes you sound like you've accomplished, you've, you've mastered all of these things. But I want to tell you something, that relationships have been the most challenging things for me, a, a thing for me. And I will share with you, as I'm taking you through um, the scripture this morning, that it is one of the most difficult things. But it's been one of the things that has brought a lot of victory for me lately. So before we do anything, um, let me just test this thing. Um, 
I just want to thank uh, Pastor Lireko for giving us the opportunity to actually stand here and share the word. What a privilege to be able to, 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 to share this word, this word with you this morning. And as a way of beginning, before I forget, because I know I might forget, is to actually pray, to actually ask the Lord to guide us, to guide me, and for me to continue sharing with you the word that is placed in my heart in the last two, two weeks, I think, since I've been preparing um, this talk this morning. So, Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this privilege. We thank you, Father God, for this time that we can reflect in your word. We can learn to practice it, Father God. We can reflect the things that we're learning um, from you, Daddy. We invite you, Holy Spirit, that today you deliver us in places that are difficult in relationships to bring your healing, Father God. May your word this morning fall on fertile ground, Father God. May your people this morning, Father God, be changed, be challenged, Father God, that they walk out of this morning thinking differently and feeling differently and even feeling stronger in you, Father God. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So the next thing I want to do is really to acknowledge people that are really, really important in my life, my family, my two gorgeous kids that God has, has put in my life, the support that they give me. And, and so the, the, the word you're going to hear today, it has already been criticized and supported constructively. I've already been told. Um, my 12-year-old my, my said to me yesterday, Mama, I don't know whether, whether because I'm a child, but you seem to be talking fast. So I was doing my, my first dry run. So Mama, please, and Mama, you're not explaining things properly. What do you mean about that? So, <laughs> so, so I've actually just tuned down my, my, my speaking this morning. And, and, and Bongi, my wonderful niece, who's become my wonderful daughter, who's really given me an amazing feedback as well um, in terms of what I've prepared, and my brother, who's in the audience as well. And I've got special guests today. It's their first time to come to our church. Is my niece, Mandisa, and, and her husband. So I'm very, very proud. Um, and the other, I think a friend of mine said she will be here, Lihulu. So welcome, guys, and hope to see you. Nibuye, Nibuye, next week. Um, <laughs> maybe I should consider worship, eh? Um, okay. <laughs> So I just want to recap. Um, I think one of the things is that I was away last week, so I, did, I wasn't here. So when I was listening to the podcast and Pastor Lirego um, introduces Sine and John as the heavyweights, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm following after the heavyweights. And really, they, they shared a lot last week in terms of the, the, the work and conflict. And the things that for me that really touched me when they spoke about how God had chosen Daniel, and actually, he had put him in the place where he wanted him to be, including his friends. And, and I thought of, you know, um, really, and, and I think someone between one of them said, God teaches us through these, these stories in the Bible in terms of what he wants to tell us. And I think sometimes we, we, we don't realize that we are actually put in the jobs or in the work situation where God actually wants us to be. 
but most of the time we think it's a mistake. And you know, as I was reflecting about this and I was thinking, um, I think you've, you've heard uh, Pastor Paul Monring. He's one of my favorite preachers. And one thing he said, he said, God never wastes time. And he stood where I'm standing right now and actually sharing his testimony about how he, God had placed um, a calling in his heart to be a preacher. But God wasn't delivering. And for years and years, he was saying, God, when is my time? And God was saying, no, be a nurse first. So he became a male nurse. And then he said, God, when is going to be my time? He said, go and be a prison warden. And now he's one of the favorite preachers. I, I, I love listening to him. So sometimes we think that God is making a mistake, but God is actually placing where he's placed to in a, in a place strategically, and, and, and your time is going to come. The second one that they spoke about, they spoke a lot about dealing with difficult boss, how Daniel dealt with this difficult boss, especially the first one, Nebuchadnezzar, and, 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 and a boss that could just kill any time. And yet, through that, he managed to achieve victory. And the third point is Daniel's mentality, his character in the face of conflict. So we're going to be revisiting some of these issues in terms of, I mean, he is amazing how truthful he is, how fearless he is. And I feel like sometimes I could just like, you know, grab it from the words because he is just so fearless. So one of the things that Sinatemba spoke about it is that we have to learn to run with the horses. But before we learn to run with those horses, we must prepare ourselves. We cannot, wait. We cannot think that this is it. There is some more that is still coming. Okay. So this week, we continue on the same trend. And, and you will think that maybe we are repeating the same thing. But one thing I've realized working with change in the work environment, the research shows that it takes about five times before people hear the message. So I work a lot with, with CEOs and managers, and they say, but I've told them. How could they say they haven't told them? And communication is always the biggest issue, isn't it? But it takes five times. So we'll keep repeating um, the, the same message. So today we're specifically looking at, at work and relationships. And um, I just want to take you overview in terms of what I want to share with you is why work and relationships are important to God. What are the challenges we face in terms of work and relationships? Why we face these challenges and one, what can we do to overcome them? So let's begin. Why work and relationships are important to God? And as I was thinking about this question, I thought, you know what, oh, God planted to me in terms of, let's go back to basics. Why did he design us in the first place? Why are we on this earth? Our commandments. The first and the second commandment. And we can read together. The first commandment says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. And then Jesus, 
coming down the mountains. People are believing, some are not believing. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. He's not just sending you alone. He's coming along with you. What a graceful God we have. But if you look at those three things that he's asking us to do, to love him, to love others, to go and make disciples, all those things are made in what? In relationships. We're not going to be able to achieve those things if we are not in working good relationships. And even those things, that's the work that the Lord has left us to do. So, sticking to the scripture, to, to, the, to the brief, I was asked to focus my talk on these scriptures. The first one is, when we think about work, let's think about in these scriptures in terms of what Please read with me. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving absolutely. There we go. You cannot do something for somebody if you don't love them. And what does work mean? I went and I looked in ancient Hebrew, Actually, word, work means avoda, which means worship and service. The second scripture I was asked to, to base this talk on is the Romans um, chapter 12, verse 9 to verse 13. Let's read together again. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual serving the Lord. Be joyful, I hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice. Practice. That for me was powerful because that's grace. God knows we, we haven't mastered these things. We are still in practice, and he's here to work with us. So there we go. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The last thing that I'm going to be referencing to is Daniel chapter 4 and, and Daniel chapter 5. So if you haven't or you can't remember anything that I've spoken about this morning. One thing that I want you to walk away with is this. God uses work and relationship to advance his kingdom. That's what I want you to walk away with. That's why relationships are important to him. He wants us to be able to relate better and very well with the people we work with, with the people that we live with. So we take an example with Daniel in chapter 4, actually the whole book. 4 to 5, through his relationship with God, Daniel uses his gifts and talent to advance the, the, the kingdom of God in Babylon. In chapter 4, 
where he interprets the, 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 uh, the dream. I want to start reading it to you, how the chapter starts. And this is Nebuchadnezzar actually telling this, which is very amazing for me. He says, To the people, to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. <laughs> and this is the same king who didn't understand, who didn't respect this God. And through his encounter, through Daniel, this is the only thing he can think about. He now has experience of the living God. He knows who he is. Daniel has, has turned someone who doesn't understand anything about God, sorry, about God to actually be a disciple. In chapter 5, this is a different administration now. This is a new CEO. Nebuchadnezzar's son has taken over. There's a writing on the wall. He doesn't know anything about Daniel. But what happens? Daniel's reputation precedes him. And he is called to interpret the writing on the wall. He stands up again. He gets promoted, despite the fact that he is not known. Can you see where I'm going? Can you imagine if we could be doing this in the workplace where we're going? Mm -hmm. So Daniel reveals the power of our living God, and he brings three kings, not one king, not one CEO, three CEOs to God. He leaves behind people who are converted, who, who have no doubt that there is a living God. There are decrees that are being issued that people will now worship the God of Daniel because the CEO themselves have come face to face with God. So we need to think about how could we do the same in the work environments where we work. So, one of the things that I want to share with you is that, and I want to invite you to find this DVD by, and by Stephen Hetzer. He, he talks about God at work. And one of the things he says there, which I haven't put here, is that our, one of the mistakes we do as believers is that we go to work alone. We don't find other believers. So one of the things he said is that 69 people, 69% of South Africans don't enjoy their work. So imagine how happy we are in those relationships. Imagine how happy we are in the work that we do. God does not want us to do something that we do not enjoy. He wants us to be affirmed. He wants us to find contentment in everything that we do. If we look at, at God creating or God at work in Genesis, he's creating us, he's creating the world. He's the happiest. He, he actually pauses. You know, I can sometimes imagine him. He like creates something and he just looks at it. And then he walks away from it and then he goes back again. You know, he enjoys what he's doing. He's creative. He takes rest. 
And then it comes like he adds another one. Not that he needs rest, but it's because he's trying to demonstrate to us that work is not supposed to be a curse. Work is supposed to be something that we enjoy. Okay, I don't know where I am now. Sorry. Okay. So moving forward, if we look at Daniel, and we can take something from him in terms of work and relationship, what are the things that I, I think we can learn from him about? What are the characteristics? First and foremost, he's got a trust bank that is open with God. Hmm? We open trust banks for our kids, for our education, for our future. But he opens his bank account first with God. He trusts him with all his being. It doesn't matter whether he's facing death. He says, I trust my God. The second one, he's truthful and sincere in, in his relationships. Even when Nebuchadnezzar has this difficult dream, he trusts Daniel. He says, don't be worried. Just tell me. Because he knows whatever he says, it's truthful. He's very sincere. He's not afraid to speak the truth. He's fearless. He's compassion. He's empathic. He feels for this king who's about, his kingdom is about to be taken away from him. He's going to be living with animals. He's going to be thinking like an animal. He begs him. He says, just acknowledge God and you'll be fine. Please. So he, and, and the most thing that I find about him, he doesn't judge. He doesn't say, I'm righteous. I know the scripture. I'm better than you. He doesn't. He's very humble. He's very adaptable. The latest word now in our industry is being agile. Everything is agile. He's adaptable and agile. He moves through three administration, even through a merger and acquisition. And seamlessly, he moves through it. And these are some of the things that I use to describe him. He's intelligent. He's insightful. He's, with, he's got outstanding wisdom. He's got an ability to solve problems. Who will not employ you with that CV? Nobody. Sorry, everybody. I'm supposed to say that. <laughs> Nobody will not actually employ you if you have that CV. So the question I want to ask you, this morning that I want you to think about. If we're talking about work and we're talking about relationships, who do you want to be or who are you in work and in relationships? What qualities are you bringing to your work and to your relationship? Why I'm asking you this is because it's one of the fundamental questions that changed my life. Because I, as I said earlier on, I really struggled with relationships. I was one of those people, when I, when I started my career, being described as have a lot of potential, very intelligent, very this, very that. But there were things that were trapping me. And we'll talk about this. There were a lot of things that were trapping me. There are even people today who says, Onziki hasn't achieved at the level we thought she would achieve. Because why? 
because there were things that really tripped me, that I couldn't figure out what was actually going on. And one of those was understanding the relationships in a work environment. The second question I want to ask you is, who are you not in relationships and work? What qualities you do not bring or you do not show? So my biggest one, and my kids know about this, is patience. I struggle with patience. I don't bring that to relationships. I don't bring that to work. I just want things to go. But it's one of my biggest places that I have to learn. So why are we facing these challenges and struggles in, in, in relationships? These are the roots of, of, of many of our problems. And I might not have put all of them, but these are the ones that came to me. The first one is broken relationships with God, with soul, with self, and others. Why? Because relationships are at the core of who we are. We had a 16-year-old here preaching to us about three or four weeks ago, explaining the power of the relationship with the mother and the father and the, mom, and the mother. Now, as a psychologist, we talk about the diet relationships and triad relationships. The diet is between a baby and the mother. This is a most sacred relationship where you learn as a child to be loved, to be secured, to be appreciated, to, to trust, to be able to explore the world knowing that you are being loved. Then you add a father, then you add siblings, this becomes your playing ground, your learning place of how to work with relationships. But what happens in our lives is that divorce comes, death comes, and it breaks all of this. So we all, or most of us, are actually operating from a broken template of relationships. The second one is envy and jealousy. You've seen Daniel being thrown at the den of the, of, the, of, of the lions because people were being jealous of him. Not understanding the God we serve and how he works. We don't see the bigger picture. We keep saying, God, when is my time? Why this is not happening? We're not seeing the bigger picture. The unrealistic expectations of ourselves and of others. We expect people to be everything and everything we also do of ourselves as well. The other one is our political past, the apartheid. I mean, most of us in this room, you'll agree with me, it's so easy to go there. Someone does something to you at work, you're like, yeah, I've been watching you. <laughs> I've seen it. Am I right? <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> this is one of the biggest things in our work environment. Some of it is real. Some of racism and sexism and everything we experience in the, in the work environment is real. But some of it is stuff that we don't want to let go. It's something that we've told ourselves. It doesn't matter what the other person is doing. They're doing it to me because I'm black and because I'm, I'm, I'm a woman. Fear, pride, shame, and guilt. This is one of the biggest ones in our relationship. Fear to show up. 
fear to be vulnerable. For me, this is one of the biggest things that I've, 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 I've worked with most of my life. Because why? My parents divorced when I was very young. I had to go through a severe physical abuse of my uh, stepmother. And so one of my biggest things was like, I'm always going to be in trouble. It doesn't matter what, I'm going to be in trouble. So if at work I'm supposed to show up, I don't show up because I might be in trouble. So it, impact, it impacted my progress. It impacted a whole of things in my life, the fear. Pride, not wanting to be wrong. You always want to be right. Shame, shame comes with abuse. It comes with trauma. Guilt, you're always guilty about something. And some of those things also come from oppression. From our political oppression, we are carrying a generational trauma. Power, privilege, and rank. We've talked about um, corporate bullies, corporate psychopaths, people who are not aware of the, of, the, of, the, of the rank and the privilege and the power that they carry. And they, and they hurt people, yeah. lit literally. But also us as believers, sometimes we're not aware of the spiritual privilege and the rank that we carry. Assumptions and stereotypes, we don't look beyond the story. The struggling with change, you've got a good job, but you're still thinking, is this the right one? Is that the right one? Double-mindedness is the biggest thing, is the biggest lie the enemy will put in your life. So how have I overcome this? And I'm going to be short because my time is already telling me I've got five minutes. Is that there are three things I focused on. Was God, was myself, was and others. And I'm going to take you very quickly into this. One of the things, I'm not sure whether you can see that, I, can, I don't think it's good now. It's really about being conscious and being intentional. You know when you have a broken template? The time has gone. You don't have your parents anymore. You cannot be a baby anymore. Who do you go to? Who is your papa? You go to God. You hold steady through your spiritual practice. Spiritual practices work, guys. You know, this year, during our fast, one of the things I realized was that if I've spent time with God, I've done my work for the day. So Pastor Lireko once said the other day, he said, if you want, to, if you want the right things to come out of, out of us, we need to put the right thing in us. So guys, we are the change that we are waiting for. We are the ones that we are waiting for. There is no one else. So we need to use our connection with God, our relationship to God, to alter and change the environments that we are in. The second part, guys, that is very important in this, in shifting and changing and bringing change in your work and your relationship, is improving your emotional intelligence. Everybody talks about emotional intelligence. Is the fundamental, is your relationship with you. And how do you get that, is to go to the source. Because if you are 
operating from that broken template. It's the, your, your core, your identity has been shattered. So who can give you? It's God. He's the one who knows who you are. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. For you, in, 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 in Psalm 139, and, um, and David says, he says, For you created my inner being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearful, fearfully and wonderfully made. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to being. We're singing earlier on saying, you are the author of my life. He is the one who knows. And that's the person who can help you to fix that broken template. So guys, what am I saying here is that to, to change certain things in our lives, we have to realize that it's a life's work. It's not copy and paste you have to understand that you have to bend the wood. That's what we call it in our, in our profession. Burning your wood is going to therapy. It's to call, find a coach. Find someone who can help you to fix you. And it is a choice. We've got a God that gives us a choice to heal through, through, through him. You know, most, um, I think for many years, I always thought when I was going through all of these problems and difficulties, I used to think maybe I'm walking in, in the desert like the Israelites. You know that 40 years? I was like, yeah, this is the 40 years. <laughs> and, and then I, one day, I just realized that, no, Ziggy, you're missing this. And I was reading the Deuteronomy and the Israelites at the, at the foot of the Sinai. I realized, no, 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 I'm not in the desert. I'm actually at the foot of Sinai. There was a reason why the Israelites had to sit for a year at the, at the foot of the Sinai. They had no idea of who they were. They knew themselves as slaves. God had to change their identity. They didn't know how to relate to each other as equals they, because they were all slaves, isn't it? They didn't know how to relate with God. God had to put them there to establish the order, the structure, and the processes in, amongst themselves and in themselves. So sometimes we think we are in the desert, and yet we are at the foot of Sinai. I think one of the things, I mean, you'll say, okay, Nsiki, you spent seven years understanding psychology, but you only figure this thing now? Yes, I have. <laughs> Healing takes a long time. And you know, it's not that God cannot heal miraculously. He can. But because some of us like me, I like control. So he invites me along in my healing process. If you think about the Israelites, he could have built himself that tabernacle. But what did he do? He invites them to be part of it. And that's one thing we must realize. Let's not lose patience. You know, uh, my niece, who, after I was presenting this, she was saying to me, what she's figuring it out is that it is often difficult to love yourself wholeheartedly when you have broken pieces. This is deep. This is deep. And these are the things we need to realize. If you go back to those commandments, how do you love someone else if you cannot love yourself? How do you love God if you cannot love yourself? 
So it is important that we actually take our healing very seriously. The last one is really to, to, to improve the way we relate with other people. <clears throat> One of the things I, I picked up as I was preparing this is that God wants us to be softer. Really to be soft and to be teachable, to humble ourselves. He says, you know, practice hospitality. Practice. Let's practice. How, how soft is that? I mean, he's, there's, 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 there's grace in that. He says, honor one another above all else. God wants us to put relationships first before we put work. Sometimes we focus on task, sometimes we focus on deadline, but remember, you're not going to achieve that deadline and that task if you're not putting those relationships ahead. Miles Monroe said one thing. He said, when you are valuable to the world, the world will pay you to be yourself. I mean, look at Daniel. Daniel actually gets promotions just by being himself. So the last thing I want to say here is that when we've done these things, I'm not saying this is the whole thing you need to do, but for me, it has worked for me. I've started to see God in others, and I'm starting to, and I'm starting to see myself in others. There's a friend of mine, when I give a compliment, and she'll say to me, Ziggy, you see what you have. That's deep. Whatever you see in others, you're seeing in yourself. So what am I saying, guys? I'm saying putting God first, getting our identity from God, working on ourselves, doing everything we possibly can do to burn our wood, to, 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 to actually fix that broken template, we are starting to be able to understand what God has put us on this earth, to be able to fulfill those first two commandments and be able to fulfill that great commission. So what I'm, what I'm going to leave you this morning is, what I want you to think about is who do you want to be in work and in relationship? And you must realize, I didn't ask you, who do you want to be in relationship with? I'm asking you, who do you want to be in relationship? Okay. I want you to think about yourself, because that's what you have control over. What, how that has helped me, because people always ask me, I mean, the other day, someone said, Siki, how, do you, how are you successful in what you're doing? I've been working for myself for seven years. And praise the Lord. And one of the things really that has made me to be successful is to fix my, the way I am in relationships. And to be intentional and to be conscious about who I am. So as I'm going into relationships, I'm intentional about how do I want to perfume the environment that I'm going to be walking into? What am I bringing into that space? When I'm facilitating, when I'm coaching, I, one of the things I do, if, when I'm finished, I said, okay, what, do, what perfume am I bringing? It might be lightness. It might be 
Um, it might be hot. It might be fun. It might be deep listening. But I'm conscious about what is it that I want to bring into that situation. And you know what is, what is interesting is that, and, and I pray, and I pray, and I pray in every situation I'm in. And it, those things, they show up because I've brought them first. So it's easy for other people to also bring their own. So guys, I, was, I, I, want to really, I, I wanted to really, really pray for you because I, I really got a sense that there is so much healing and deliverance that God wants to do in this room. And with your permission, can we do two minutes of prayer? If you feel you've got something that you feel has been tripping you, like I've been tripped in my relationships, like I've been tripped in my profession, I want you to stand up. If you feel you're not succeeding in anything in your work environment right now, I want you to stand up so that we can pray for you. You want healing, anything. Father Liruko, you want to come and stand here and pray with me? Let's raise our hands, guys, and receive. I feel God is going to do something amazing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Daddy. I include myself in this prayer, Lord, as we, we come together before you and, and with humility of recognizing our shortcomings and, and where we have not been great at, um, at doing relationships well, where we have not been able to recognize where we have been toxic and where we have been the negative element in relationship, Father, we just want to come and repent before you. Father, I pray for every single person standing, every person raising their hands to heaven, that you would, that you would see the faith in that, that you would see the heart in that, that you would see the humility in that, and that you would respond with blessing, and that you would bless them each, Father, with grace to know how to outwork not only their, their salvation in fear and trembling, but their relationships. Father, that, 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 that you would release a grace to know uh, that, that, that the, the supernatural bit that you're releasing now is, gra is, is grace. But that there's work to come. And that you that you grace us to, 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 to embrace even the process of work, even the process of self-examination, even the process of just being honest with ourselves and, 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 and assessing ourselves well and improving in every area in which we need to improve so that the relationships that you've brought us into may glorify God and, 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 and that the relationships and even the work relationships that you've brought us into may advance your kingdom. We thank you, Father, and I just pray a special blessing and a special anointing over each person who stands here this afternoon. Lord, that you would go into their week with them and that as we grapple these things in the week and in the weeks to come, that your grace would go with us, that your grace would be there helping us to grapple and to outwork relationships and relational dynamics with fear and trembling and with the desire to glorify you at the end of the day. So we thank you, Father, and we we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys.